Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I am your host, Florence Adu, and today I'm coming to you from Community 6 in Tema, Ghana. Tema is, I've said this before, but I'll always just make another introduction. Tema is a port city, and it was designed to be, I want to say, a very a planned community. It was a planned community, and so currently there are 25 communities which have expanded beyond the original 12, I believe that were in Tema proper. And now we have kind of an annexed second city of the metro, well, it's all part of the Accra metropolitan area. But that's where I find myself and my guests for today. And we are at a place called Jay's Coffee and Creamery, which is a lovely little shop on the roadside, little garden in front. But I'm telling you this because we are outside. And so please don't mind the sound, just tune into our wonderful conversation. And the conversation today is with an experienced television host, reporter, producer, public speaker, and published writer. She's the owner of her creative media company, Prosper Creative Group, which produces content, consults with clients, and sponsors projects in the creative industries. As an advocate for empowering women and girls, she's been outspoken on issues regarding self-esteem, positive body image, and gender equality. She's also a passionate Pan-African who, despite spending the majority of her life living in Canada, has developed a desire to help tell stories that can change the negative narrative of Africa often portrayed in the media. Ivy Prosper, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Yay. So let's get started. My first question is, where are you from? Where are you local? And what is your craft? From, I was born in Ghana raised in Canada okay and currently living in Ghana okay and my craft Mm -hmm. I would say that I usually refer to myself as a media professional because I do so many different things that touch within the media spaces okay okay that makes sense yes and we'll we'll get a little bit more into exactly what that means Mm -hmm. uh, as we discuss so tell us more about your background so as I mentioned in the introduction you live most of your life in Canada so tell us more about how your family found you all in Canada and how you came back to Ghana well my uh, father and his friends were all working at Valco uh, here in Tema Mm -hmm. and um, they skills as, as working in engineering and the trades electrical engineering mechanical engineering various skills and at the time Canada had opened up for immigration to allow for people with certain skill sets to come into the country so he and his friends ended up being people who applied and were able to go and that's how my father ended up going to Canada and then sent for me and my mother afterwards. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So what part of Canada did you, did you land in? We originally arrived in Toronto, where a lot of immigrants land initially. And because it is quite a diverse city, people have a tendency to feel more comfortable and at home being amongst other people of different cultures. And so when we were there, there was a Ghanaian community that they connected with and I know that we lived in Toronto, we lived in Mississauga, we lived in northern Canada in a town called Ear Falls right beside Red Lake and back to Toronto, Mississauga area again and eventually we moved to St. Catharines which is right beside Niagara Falls. It's about a 15 to 20 minute drive from the New York state border. Ah, okay. Yeah, so then that's where I ended up growing up. Okay. Uh, once I finished high school, I moved back to Toronto, Mississauga, Toronto area. Okay, yeah. got it. So I think St. Catharines is kind of closer to Montreal, right? No, 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 no. It's right beside Niagara Falls, New York state border. It's an hour from Toronto. Oh. Yeah, Montreal's in the province of Quebec. A lot of Americans don't realize Canada has provinces. Yeah. So I'll say this because there could be an American audience listening who yes. don't know this. Like like how the United States has 50 states, yes. Canada's are not called states, they're called provinces. So we have 10 provinces and three territories. Okay. The 
province that is most known is the province of Ontario, in which the city of Toronto is the most populous city, actually most populated city in Canada and most populated in the province of Ontario. Okay. It's like New York City to the state of New York. Right. And Montreal, which a lot of people know about, is in the French-speaking side of Canada, sure. in the province of Quebec. Yes. So that side of Canada is primarily French-speaking, I grew up in the English-speaking side of Canada. About 20% of Canadians speak French and English fluently. The rest are primarily English speakers. Ah, okay. So I've been to Montreal a few times, and so we've driven there once. And so that is part of my like confusion around, but I didn't feel like we drove through many states to get there, but I guess we did in, in some regard. Well, Quebec borders Northeastern New York, uh, U.S. Right. As Ontario also borders Northeastern ah, U.S. Okay, okay, okay. So I know that Quebec, I believe, borders. Sounds like someone's having a great time playing music back there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the, if the listeners can hear it, but um, Quebec borders. I believe it borders part of New York, and I think like Vermont and and. Um, uh, yeah. Yes. I think Vermont is one of the states yes. that border um, Quebec. Yes. From the top of my head, I'm trying yes. to remember mm -hmm. from geography class, but Ontario touches New York State, Michigan, I think Illinois, and it also touches, no, that's it. I think that's it. I'm trying to remember my yeah. elementary school geography right now. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people don't realize. So the five Great Lakes, right? Uh, yeah. Ontario is right sure. on the five Great Lakes, right, exactly. which there's Midwestern US that touches the same five Great right. Lakes. Right, exactly. And yeah. so, yeah, that's how people from Michigan can get to, like Buffalo is right there. Yeah, yeah. Buffalo's at Lake Erie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fort Erie, Canada is at Lake Erie. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And a lot of people don't know, this is a fun fact. The NAACP had its early beginnings yes. in Canada. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. The first meeting, unofficial meeting, yeah. happened in Canada, and I believe it was called the Niagara Movement. It was Movement. Yeah, it was Niagara. Yes. And I always thought that would have to do with New York. But, oh, but you've just given us a great fun fact. Yeah, yes. That has to do with, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wealth of knowledge. Okay, so you that's how you moved back to, to Toronto. Yes. And so from there, how did you now decide that Ghana was where you wanted to end up? Well, you know, my life has had, and people often tell me I should write a book, because my life has had so many different twists and turns, uh, because even though I moved to Toronto from there, I also, after that, I also lived in another part of Canada, Windsor, which borders Detroit, Michigan. Okay. And then I eventually lived in Detroit as well, oh, okay. before going back to the Toronto area. Okay. So um, while I was in Canada, at a point in my life, there were some periods when, after I had left Detroit to go back to Canada, there were some periods where there were some challenges in my career and, and things I was thinking about doing. Mm -hmm. And at the time, that was 2011, my mom had said, oh, maybe you should think about going to Ghana. And it wasn't because I was actually searching for a career. It was basically supposed to be to come and refresh my mind and do a reset. Mm -hmm. So I came in 2011, and at the time, a good friend of mine had already moved to Ghana. He kept on saying, you should move to Ghana, you should move to Ghana. And so when I came in 2011, he was like, I can't believe you're actually here. And he was on a mission to make sure that I stayed in Ghana. And so within a couple of weeks of me being in the country, I actually got a job. And I wasn't oh. even looking for a job. Okay. So I was offered a position. And what was that job? I was working as the head of the Writers' Center at a school here in Tema hmm. called SOS College. Oh, okay. And so it wasn't a, a teaching job, but it was after school, managing this, this after school club, mm -hmm. the Writers' Center. Mm -hmm. And so um, I did that, and through continuous networking and meeting with people, eventually I met a producer who later offered me a job to host a TV show called the Maternal Health Channel TV series, okay. which aired on TV3 and GTV in Ghana. Mm -hmm. And that was such an amazing experience. I got to travel the whole country doing this documentary series, talking about why women are um, losing their lives after childbirth in Ghana. And so um, that was a really fantastic experience. Through that experience, I actually ended up falling in love with someone. We were in a relationship, all that. So a part of my, so when the contract ended, when we finished filming and I went back to Canada, mm -hmm. I kept thinking about coming back to Ghana. Something in me was like, you got to go back, you got to go back. Mm -hmm. Part of it was the seeing the potential in Ghana and seeing that there's possibilities to change the narrative of Africa. Because when I did come in 2011, 
you know, I did a couple of videos that I did to share with friends that I talked about how people don't see this in Africa, yeah. different things people don't see. So through my experiences and through the relationship I was in at the time, I had made the decision that I was going to eventually come back. So in 2016, I came back. Okay. So 2016 was when I left my job at the time and packed my bags, got rid of some things, put a few things in storage, and then came back, came to Ghana. Okay. And haven't looked back since. I've been here since 2016, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about the, that journey with the Maternal Health Channel, because I love to understand more about the issues that are really challenging all of our societies here in Africa, and particularly ones that challenge women. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that probably has in inspired a lot of your work around women and young girls. So tell us more about some of the things you learned, some of the things you took away, some of the impacts that you saw from that work. Yeah, so um, so prior to that, when, he, when I was asked to work as a reporter on the show, I was like, am I the right person for this? Because I didn't have experience in the healthcare industry. So I thought like, shouldn't you have a doctor or a nurse who's doing this? And he said, no, because you are passionate about women. And he saw that because previous to coming to Ghana, I had been doing public speaking and empowerment of women and girls. I traveled around to different schools, nonprofit organizations, doing seminars, workshops with girls at the time. And so in doing this, it ended up being in perfect alignment. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that I saw was, we have some challenges in our system here in Ghana that are resulting in women risking their lives when they're having yeah. a child. Yeah. There were some people who would say they feel like they have one foot in the grave and one foot out when they learn they're pregnant because they don't know if they're going to make it or if the child's going to make it. Wow. And now was that across rural, peri-urban and urban areas? We like traveled across all the over. Wow. We traveled all over yeah. through urban cities, through rural communities mm -hmm. and saw that there were similarities everywhere. Mm -hmm. The biggest, one of the biggest issues is a lack of doctors and a lack of healthcare facilities and uh, the things that they need in the hospitals. So, and also culture. I didn't realize that culture would play a part in some of the challenges. I just assumed it would all be infrastructure. So when I say culture, it's like, it's believed that a woman is, her accomplishment is in giving birth. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people in Ghana, or in Africa in general, that it's an accomplishment as a woman, that's your womanhood. And so if you are giving birth, there are some people who look down upon women who go and get a cesarean. Like, you're not a real woman if you couldn't actually deliver the natural way. You had to go and get an operation to remove the child. You weren't strong enough. So then you have women who when they're told they need a cesarean, they don't want to do it. And then they die in the process of giving birth. Wow. Because they want to be seen as being a strong woman and giving birth naturally and not going to get surgery. And so they risk their lives and potentially could die. And that's because of the cultural implications of you're not a strong woman because you didn't do it naturally. And then there's the issue also, in the northern region, there was a nurse who told us at one of the hospitals that one of the challenges is with uh, religious, the dynamic with uh, the Muslim faith, where the man is the head of the household. Now in the Christian faith, we also have that, that whole concept of the man being the head of the household. However, the difference we found with the Muslim community is that the women are more likely to take what the man says as, this is it, yeah. I'm not gonna waver from it. Yeah. So what happens is, she said there were women who died because they were seeking permission from husbands. Uh, one strong example was, she said she was delivering a woman, a woman's baby at home, in the home, and it gets to a point when you as a nurse or as a midwife, you recognize that you need a doctor to yeah. do a cesarean, so you yeah. advise the, the woman that we need to take you to a hospital. So she said she was in the middle of delivering, the woman the baby wasn't coming, she wasn't dilating enough, and she was like, so much time had passed that she's like, you need to go to the hospital, we need to take you to go get a cesarean. And she said, I can't, I have to wait to get permission from my husband to go to the hospital. And she's like, well, when is your husband coming home? Like, this is an emergency. Her husband was at the farm. 
She's like, you don't know when your husband's coming back. We need to get you to the hospital now. And she's like, she can't. She has to wait for him to give permission. And she waited and she died. Oh no. Yeah. And she said, and that is something that she came across multiple times. Wow. So that was another situation where it was like, oh my goodness, this could have been prevented. Yes. Like seriously prevented. So I had said there should be some programs that they do to have these like workshops or seminars to teach the men because mm-hmm. we're not about trying to change your culture yeah. or change your religion yeah. so the way to approach it would be to have a seminar or workshop to teach the men that this could be a life or death situation yeah. and maybe you should talk to your wives and tell them that if they're in a situation where they have to give birth that they can go to the hospital yes. and that they're not waiting yes. for you to come home yes. from the farm or right. wherever you may be because right. they could die in the process. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Agency in your own life. Mm-hmm. That yeah. They're just not able to do that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh. So that was major. And so one of the other major things is there's a lot of people who don't go for prenatal care. Yeah. In, in Ghana, they call it antenatal care. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people who just don't go they go find out they're pregnant and then you don't see them again until Until they're ready to give birth so that whole in between if you're going regularly you'll know if you're at risk for certain things you'll know if you you know have a high blood pressure whatever it may be right you learn all those things in the process but if you're not going you don't know that then Mm -hmm. when it comes to giving birth the baby could be breached you could need a cesarean like there's so many things that can come across that can happen yeah during the actual delivery that you weren't prepared for because you didn't come for all of your checkups Mm. throughout your pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So heavy bleeding, preeclampsia, heavy bleeding is a real serious issue that causes death in Ghana uh, after childbirth as well. Those are some of the things that I learned. And I also learned that a lot of women just don't know their bodies. A lot of women don't know anything about their bodies at all. At all, yeah. so there needs to be more yeah. education. Yeah, they don't even know their own anatomy. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. yeah. So there was one doctor at the Tema General Hospital, um, Dr. Sylvia Deganis, who's made it her life's mission to, um, you know, empower women. So she says she often will have a diagram to show them what their bodies look like, because a lot of them have no clue. Mm-hmm. So she's doing some great work as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least there are some champions out there that are making the change. And mm-hmm. thank you for that work. I mean, that's awesome work. Is that available anywhere? Archived? The series? Yeah. It was archived on their website, and I noticed that their website has been shut down. I don't know oh. if why they didn't keep the website up. Okay. I know that in Ghana, sometimes you have organizations that don't maintain websites. Yeah. It's a challenge we have yeah. culturally in the system here. Sure. But the website was up for like years afterwards, but yeah. now I went to check it and it's not online yeah. anymore. Huh. But they do have some episodes on Vimeo. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, they have okay. some episodes on Vimeo. Okay, so I'll I can find... provide you with the link. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, we'll put that in the show notes so that people can check it out. Mm-hmm. So, as we transition into what you're doing now, yes. I want to ask you a question that is my global speak question. Okay. So, this is where we want to hear what you hear. And that is a word, a phrase, or a saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you came to value it as a global speak. Wait, repeat that again. <laughs> a word or phrase. Or a saying. A local word or phrase or saying here in Ghana. Here in Ghana, in Canada, anywhere that you live, like something that stuck with you that you've heard and it's like, that's something that is carried with you. Oh my gosh, you've really caught me on this one. <laughs> because there's not necessarily anything specific, mm-hmm. except I'll say that whatever, what my dad used to say, he used to say, no matter what happens, life goes on. Okay. That, that has resonated with me. No matter what happens, life goes on. It really has stuck with me. The other thing that really sticks with me is that uh, what Oprah often says, and I know it's not her quote, she got it from someone else, and I'm not sure exactly the original source, but she often says there's no such thing as luck. Um, it's when preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. So that also resonates with me mm-hmm. as well. And it comes in my mind often because there have been times when opportunities come and I'm like ready for the opportunity because of the things that I've done that have led me to that opportunity. Sure. So that is definitely one that sticks with me that there's no such thing as luck. 
it's when preparation meets opportunity because if the opportunity comes to you and you're not ready right. it's not going to happen exactly so i try to do a lot of things in my life that will always prepare me keep me keep me up to date mm -hmm. um, with the skills that i need to do the things that i need to do mm -hmm. and i really believe that it's because of things I've done in the past that led me to be able to do some of the things that I've done here in Ghana. Sure. For example, with the series, with the maternal yeah. health, when I thought I wasn't the right person, he said I was right. because of the stuff I've done for empowering women and girls. That sure. this is just another, you know, another part of it. Yeah, yeah. Those were great ones. That's good universal speak. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And it does stick with me. It, yeah. stick, it sticks with me. Yeah. yeah, universally. Universally, it sticks with me. Also because a part of myself and my purpose in Ghana is also with empowering young people through my daily interactions. Mm -hmm. And so through my daily interactions, that whole phrase of preparation being uh, part of when opportunity comes and knocks mm -hmm. I talk to young people every day about things they should be doing to be ready for their future yeah and I so I think subconsciously that resonates with me to a point where I try to extend that to young right, people and right. telling them the things they need to be doing if yeah. they really say they want to do what they want to be doing mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah because I for example I'll just use a quick example there was a young boy I met who was just relaxing in front of our office sitting there eating kebabs I didn't even plan to speak to him. There was a man who randomly saw me and was like, you, come and talk to this boy. I need him to hear what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell him ah. he should be doing something for the future. And I was like, oh, why did he talk and just point at me randomly? So I so went- You didn't know anything? No, I didn't know anything. I didn't okay. know the guy, I didn't know the boy. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. So I was like, hi. <laughs> and he's like, talk to him, talk to him. You look like somebody who could talk to him. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I so I talked to the boy. I was like, I was like, hi. I was like, um, you know, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm here with my friends. We're having kebabs. And I said, oh, what's your dream in life? And yeah. he said, I want to be a footballer. And his other friend said he wants to be a police officer. Uh -huh. So the one who said he wants to be a footballer, for those in the U.S. listening or Canada, footballer is referring to soccer. Yeah. And he said, oh. I was like, oh, you want to be, you, I was like, how old are you? He's like, I'm 12. And I'm like, you're 12 years old. You say you want to be a footballer and you're sitting here relaxing with your friends. You should be practicing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Cristiano Ronaldo was sitting relaxing with his friends when he wanted to be a professional footballer for life? You should be practicing. Yeah. There's sacrifices you need to make. Exactly. Do you watch videos on your phone? Yes. What do you watch? Kind of oh, funny videos. Nope. No, you should be watching videos football. that are teaching you tricks and exactly. ways to move, the skills to become a footballer. That's what you need to be doing. Yeah. And he was like, oh. So for me, the conversations and daily things, I mm -hmm. interactions, try to teach the young people about how they should be preparing sure. for the future. Sure. And I think that's a lot of the reason why a lot of us have come back because even though we, we may not be approachable, so it took this older man to say, please come and talk to this person. So he's, he saw your light shine in that whatever way that is. And I, I get a lot of some of that sometimes too, is like talk to this person because unfortunately our culture doesn't really give a framework for adults to talk to talk to young people yeah. in an uplifting kind of way mm -hmm. you know I think we have churches and institutions that may do that but not specifically and not enough to actually make an impact for these young people so thank you for that and we, we want to see that young boy <laughs> I know I hope I see him Someday. one day exactly yeah. exactly so let's take a I guess a move forward yes into where you are now so you have been working on a project for the last almost three years, right? This one, almost three years, which started with, I mean, tell us how you, you got to do this. So Ivy has been one of the instrumental players in what, what started as the year of the return and has now become beyond the return. So tell us how you're working in media, you're doing you know, creative things. We've worked together on different projects and, and then you, Speaking of preparation, how did this opportunity come to you? And, and, and yeah. yeah, so I am uh, the social media manager for the uh, Year of Return, now Beyond the Return uh, programs, campaigns. So I'm the person responsible for the Instagram pages, the Facebook pages, writing stories for the website, attending events, covering the events, and um, Sometimes I've written um, speeches for people, yeah, <laughs> ghost-written speeches for people. Um, so basically, I was already posting about my experiences in Ghana through my own personal social media platforms. I had posted some videos on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and just being in the conversation about Ghana. 
and I was involved in some of the fashion events that have happened. I was um, the uh, media liaison for the Ghana Fashion and Design Week. Yeah. So there's different things that I've done to amplify Ghana. And so the manager of the Beyond the, of Year of Return, when it was Year of Return, um, saw that and she got me uh, an opportunity to be introduced to the CEO of Ghana Tourism and have a meeting, an interview to discuss the possibility of me working on their campaign. And so that was an example of preparation meeting opportunity because sure. I was already doing stuff in social media to amplify Ghana. Sure. And then as a result, I got to be on one of the most significant campaigns in Ghana's history yeah. when it comes to um, tourism and connecting with the diaspora community. Mm -hmm. It was instrumental in bringing so many people to Ghana, whether it's for vacation or um, for potential investment or to actually live in the country. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up getting uh, involved in this particular campaign, which has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. Tell us a little bit more about what it now has become because so flashback to 2019 we had you know celebrities it was the, the social media was hype you know we saw people social so many stories you know all about Ghana as a go-to place and and I think we can safely say that Ghana is a, is a soft landing for anybody coming to West Africa this is actually the place particularly because most of most people speak English so they can come, they can move right in, and it's fairly easy. So how then, after the hype of the party, which was the year of the return, did you now move into Beyond the Return? And what exactly is the plan? What exactly is the mission and vision for, for, for what that is now? Okay. So, um, so just to backtrack, because some people also don't even realize what year of return was. Yes, yes. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people see it as the parties that happened in mm -hmm. December and the celebrity factor. Mm -hmm. However, it was a one-year campaign, uh, from January first, twenty nineteen, until January fifth, twenty twenty, is when the campaign was running, mm -hmm. and it was commemorating the four hundred year anniversary of when the first documented ship of enslaved Africans arrived in Virginia. Right. So to commemorate that, Ghana recognized that it was one of the it was it was the country that had the most slave forts yes. and dungeons that had captured Africans that were transported in the transatlantic slave trade through um, the Americas, North and South America. Right. And so in recognizing that and, you know, Ghana had already for, issued formal apologies for um, its role in that because there were some people who, who fought against the people who captured Africans, but there were a few who were participants. In yeah. So Ghana had already um, issued its apology and so Part of having the events throughout the year was to have a way to connect with the diaspora community when they came back. Because some people will come and if they come and they go and they visit the slave dungeons and they have the experience and learn the history, now what's next? Mm -hmm. So the whole mm -hmm. concept of the events was the now what's next? You're here, now you should enjoy yourself, you should be able to connect with people, whether it's through a party or whether it's through conferences, because we had there were events that we endorsed that were parties, there were events that were business conferences, there were some that were giving back to the communities, there was a number of different things, but it happened to be that human nature, people gravitated towards the, the fun, festive, the festive yeah. um, events. And so once the year was over, we looked at the feedback we received from all the visitors because we get messages in our social media, messages by email, people who drop by the office. So they came up with the, um, the Ministry of Tourism, the steering committee, the management of Year of Return, now Beyond the Return, came up with seven pillars. So Beyond the Return is a 10-year campaign now. It is uh, themed a decade of African Renaissance mm. and with seven pillars that all represent different areas of focus for the 10 years. Okay. So one of them, so I'll go through the seven in no particular order. Experience Ghana is the obvious one. The Experience Ghana is connected to travel, tourism, and the events and parties. Yeah. Um, that's the Experience Ghana. And then there's the Celebrate Ghana, and that is connected more to culture. So we had people who would say, okay, 
we came, we went to parties, went to events, we heard some of your great DJs and some of your entertainers, but what about some of the culture? Yeah, what about yeah. some of the culture festivals yeah. that happen that we see these chiefs and queen sure. mothers and stuff walking around? Sure. What about those? So yeah. Celebrate Ghana touches on the, the tradition and culture. And then there's uh, Give Back Ghana, which is about giving back to the community. Because mm -hmm. some people came, they also wanted to give back in different ways. Mm -hmm. So one of the examples is, um, there's uh, a group of African-American men who are part of the Omega Sci-Fi fraternity. Mm -hmm. They collectively have come together and have a vision, a mission of having a hundred boreholes mm. across Ghana. Mm -hmm. They've already done 50 mm -hmm. and they're continuing to do more because their way of giving back is that water is a source of life and it should be a top priority so nice. they want to help with getting access to different communities so they've done so they've been doing that nice. um, so that's an example of give back Ghana mm -hmm. there's um, diaspora pathways to Ghana which is connected to the diaspora community who have been constantly asking about moving to Ghana how can I get uh, residency how can I um, get land how can I become a citizen how can I get work permit those things so the diaspora pathways is connected to that aspect right now they're working on a homeland return act it's in Parliament and that act would make it easier for people of African descent black people to be able to get citizenship in Ghana and, and residency status I don't know when it's gonna finally pass but it's in Parliament they've been working on it for a while so that's something they're working on then there's brand Ghana which is about finding ways to brand the country just like when people think of South Africa they think of the safari or they think sure. of Australia they think of kangaroos like they want to find a way to brand Ghana in a way that there's something that you think about when you think of Ghana and I know Ghana tourism and the ministry are working on that okay. um, that aspect it's not Coco I don't know what they want to <laughs> focus on right now but Coco is definitely something people associate with Ghana yeah. but I know they want to have like a big picture uh, that okay. no matter where you're from you can associate it but sure. yeah Coco Shea those are things yeah. that associate with Ghana for yeah. sure yeah, yeah. We um, want to try to kind of steer away from it only being known as a place with slave forts because a lot of people yes. know it as a place that you come for sure. slave forts. Sure, yeah. sure. But yeah, Coco is a, a big one. Mm -hmm. And then there's promoting Pan-African heritage and innovation, mm -hmm. which is about the Pan-Africanist that Ghana has been innovation of people in the Pan-Africanist movement and also about focusing on some of the heritage sites across the country mm -hmm. that are in other regions yeah. of Ghana. So that's that's that one. Then there is Invest in Ghana. Did I say that one yet? No, Invest no. in Ghana. That one is about investing in the country, whether it's through business, whether it's through starting a company and providing employment. So basically any aspect that involves economic, economic investment into, into the country, that there's that one, that's Invest in Ghana. I think I got them all. You did. Did I get yeah, them all? Yeah, seven? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so yeah, so Beyond the Return is under seven pillars are the foundation and each of those are the areas that we want to touch on so even we get people who send us proposals because they want us to endorse their events mm. because people see it as an opportunity to reach the diaspora when Ghana tourism and beyond the return give their logo and okay. an, an approval to say we'll endorse your event sure. and, and work to partner with you to support what you're doing but when people submit proposals they don't realize that you have to talk to the team about why your event fits one of these exactly. pillars people yeah. will just like people will send messages in our social media I'll get a message someone sends a flyer share this on your po on your social media kindly share this on your social media and it's like it's not as simple as you just sending right. a flyer and saying yeah. share our flyer yeah. this isn't just about sharing events sure. they actually look at what is the vision of your event what right. is the mission of your event right. and with Afrochella specifically is one of the big events throughout the year that people look at mm -hmm. their vision is about uplifting the culture of Africa through music, through mm -hmm. fashion, through art, through entertainment, so, and that's their primary focus. So they sometimes will have people who might want to come on board, but they don't necessarily have the vision that they have. Mm -hmm. So you have to have the vision, you have to have the understanding of exactly sure. what it is we're doing yeah. when you submit your proposal. It's not just send us uh, yeah. your thing and we just yeah. endorse it. So because when you look at each event, even though at, at surface level it doesn't look like it's fits in line but when we talk to them and we read their proposal read their mission and stuff mm. it falls in line like like right now there's um so there's an african food festival that's coming up it's okay. about celebrating african food uh -huh. giving an opportunity to the diaspora to come and and come and taste different foods mm -hmm. and the intention is to also have foods from different regions of ghana at that particular festival mm -hmm. so it also amplifies ghana's food african food and and 
it falls in line with the celebrate Ghana aspect because sure. it's a part of tradition because yeah. food is also part of a tradition exactly. and culture so yeah. it's finding ways to connect with one of those pillars if you're looking to have your event endorsed and we take in, we endorse events that are both in Ghana mm -hmm. and we've endorsed events that are in the diaspora mm. if it fits in line with it okay then yes because yeah. the diaspora community they may not be able to get on a plane and come sure here, um, yeah. but it may connect with the vision some way somehow yeah, and eventually bring yeah. bring people yeah yeah okay that's good to know that's yeah. we're learning something new yes. so it's this organized 10-year plan and so what is the the vision at the end of 10 years what what is the expectation of the At the end of the campaign. 10 years, the hope is that there has been a change in the narrative mm -hmm. of what people perceive of Ghana, mm -hmm. of, of West Africa. Mm -hmm. It's also of making Ghana a, the, the destination place in West mm -hmm. Africa, the choice sure. for destination in West Africa. It's, for, it's about improving Ghana through collaborative efforts of Ghanaians, native Ghanaians, and people in diaspora, and forging relationships building growth and relationships between our communities okay. and knowing that we are one people sure. even though we may have been dispersed at different places we are one people mm -hmm. at the end of the day so i know that the minister of tourism has a vision of numbers i don't have those numbers off the top of my mm -hmm. head but i know that mm -hmm. there is a vision of a growth in the tourism sector okay. a growth in the economic sector with through gipc because we do a lot of work with ghana investment promotion center okay. and with gepa which is ghana export promotion authority okay. they fo focus on exports and GIPC focuses on the, the development investment here on the ground. So, so overall, it's about the growth of oh, Ghana. Ghana. Yeah. Okay. So you've traveled the country. I have. At this point, you've I have. seen every corner. I've been. In, I've been corners. in almost every region. Okay. Yeah. And since so, they divided it up. Yeah. <laughs> right now, because we were. Because it was ten before. 10. Now it's sixteen. Yes. So, this might be hard to answer, uh -huh. but what is your favorite region now? Oh, people are always asking me this one, the favorite region. I can't even give answers. I'll say that um, it depends on what you're looking for. Okay. So what I love is it depends what I'm looking for based on the region. So the Western region and the Volta region are absolutely fantastic. If you're a person who wants a nice, beautiful beach. Okay. If you're a person who wants a nice, beautiful beach that's clean and just calm, you can feel a sense of serenity if you're looking for a reset if you're looking to do like yoga whatever it may be you want to be like in a peaceful environment yes. the volta region and the western region are great with their beaches yeah um and if you're looking for of course everybody knows accra if you're looking for like a, an eclectic experience accra is it yeah. greater accra region yeah. but the western and the volta are two of my top choices yeah, yeah. for because I, I love the beach right, I was gonna say you you must be a beach girl yeah I am too yeah, yeah so yeah. those two are my favorites but I also think that um, if you're looking for an experience where you can just experience a different culture mm -hmm. if, because people just think Ghana as a monolith yeah go to the north yeah go to the northern region yeah. and experience the north the Upper East, mm. if you're looking for creative stuff, the Upper mm. East is great. Mm -hmm. The Upper East with the crafts, arts and crafts, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you have a lot of women there who do the basket weaving mm. and there's this uh, painting that's done on homes. Like there's, mm. and it's done in Burkina Faso too. So, cause this is Burkina Faso, yeah. Ghana borderline area yeah. Yeah. that there's these artwork, this artwork they do when they paint homes and they use the natural earth. The natural earth that they use has, I think it's like three or four different color compositions sure. that they mix and paint on these homes. Yeah. So yeah, so the Upper East is great if you're looking for creativity. Uh -huh. It's also great if you're a photographer and looking for landscape to, mm. to, to, to photograph mm -hmm. and then trying different food because they have different foods there. Mm -hmm. A lot of their food is based on millet, a grain that grows there wild. Yeah. Millet doesn't even need rain and it'll grow. You can be in a okay. drought season and yeah. millet will grow regardless. Sure. So they have a lot of um, food that's made from millet. So there's a, a meal that's popular from the north called tozafi yes. in the north and upper east. And tozafi that I've always had here in greater Accra, mm -hmm. it's made from maize. I didn't, re oh, I didn't even realize this yeah. until I went and had it in the north when I went to have tozafi and they brought it. And I was like, this doesn't look like tozafi. 
They were like, ah, you've been indoctrinated with the Accra version. <laughs> they were like, this is the real deal. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, so, um, um, so theirs was better. It tasted better or what, you the, know, what would you say? I actually liked the Accra version better. Oh. And I mean, and I'm not saying that it was bad. Uh-huh. I just actually liked the Accra version better. Okay. Yeah. So I guess it could be a, a taste for millet versus corn. I do like millet though. Do you? Yes, I do. Okay. I do like okay. millet though. I think it's because it was slightly fermented. Ah, okay. And And that's why I don't like kenke, because I don't like the ah, fermentation. Okay. Yeah. Okay, got it. So, um, got it, got so it, it was slightly fermented. So I had a little bit of that fermentation. That yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I, which I don't really favor too much. Sure. So, um, so I think that's probably why. Okay. But it wasn't bad. It okay. wasn't bad. Just yeah, different. it wasn't bad. Yeah. And they had a green soup, and I and there's a plant that I've grows there. Yeah. The green soup that I've had from the north that they make in Accra is different than the one that I had. There, the, the, when I course. went there, yeah. the one I had when I went there, they said it was made out of a tree that grows there, mm. and they were like, "Those leaves, people don't bring, bring those leaves, leaves to Greater Accra. Ah. It's just there, and I can't for the life of me remember the name of the leaf, but okay. it was really good. Okay. And if okay. you're a vegan, it's a perfect soup because sure. they just use the leaves when they make. That's what the, that's what the cook told me anyway. Yeah. She told me that they just use the leaves and some seasoning to make yeah. it. They didn't use any meat yeah. or anything unless you yeah. want them to put a piece of meat in it that's what she told me yeah Yeah. no that makes a lot of sense because I think there's a lot of occasional meat eater cultures you know like meat is not an everyday meal yeah you know so okay all right so thank you for that you gave us a a tour (laughs) a very diplomatic way I know I'm sharing I'm like I don't I don't want to like yeah especially people have been asking me because my father is from the Volta region. Yes. My mother is from the Eastern region. So okay. I'm half a chim on my mom's side and then Ewe on my father's side. Okay. So I get people saying, which regions do you like better? Oh, Eastern or Volta? I'm yeah. like, I can't. You can't make me pick. You can't make me pick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So speaking of that, um, that's a mindset thing. So let me ask you my mindset hack <laughs> question. What is your favorite or an innovative mindset hack? So this is something that you can imagine or something that you might practice or just know of. Something that I learned from Mel Robbins. She is a best-selling author, motivational speaker, and she has what she calls the five-second five-second rule. Oh yeah, I've heard of it. Like five, four, three, two, one, mm-hmm. and then you just do it. Yeah. And it's one of those things that for your mindset, because we have this thing about us as, as, as human beings where you don't feel like doing something yeah. like you know you have to do it, but you don't feel like doing it and so she talks about doing the countdown and then once the countdown is over you just like you, you go. gotta do it you just yeah. gotta go like the, and the first example is the alarm that like five four three two when your alarm rings mm-hmm. and you hit it mm-hmm. that you shouldn't be snoozing every time you snooze yeah. and you spend more time yeah you eventually waste so much time snoozing i mean some people can hit snooze and within the five minutes or ten minutes they're up yeah but a large majority of people can snooze for a full hour right. or two hours yeah. and then you're like oh. i'm tired i didn't get you the quality yeah right yeah and yeah. so that mindset hack from her i think has been really really great for me because there's times when because when she talked about the alarm thing i was like yeah that's me like that's me really that's me and then the other thing she talks about from her again is that you have to parent yourself as adults we have to parent ourselves there's nobody who's telling you do this, do this, do this. Because when yeah. you're when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, your parents are like, "Get up! You have to do this. Get up! You have to do that." Mm-hmm. You have to, and it's for your own good. They're doing it. You have to do this. And then once you become an adult, you move out of your parents' space, and you're in your own space, yeah. and you're doing your own thing. You have to parent yourself. Yeah. And I think we forget that sometimes. And that is what I think about sometimes because oh man, I got to do this. I got to do that. I, nobody's gonna mm-hmm. tell me. I think that's a great point because it's interesting on two sides because it's as a, when you're a parent and you have adult children, there's a fine line that then becomes, okay, how do I parent an adult, right? Because your child doesn't want to be parented as they were as a child, but yet you still have wisdom, you still have input that you can offer to your child. And so I think this is a really timely and important topic because yes, I think maybe we don't want to admit it, but we need parenting all our lives. 
right? So that's a great hack to really, yeah, we should think about it. And, and part of that is self-care, like how do you care for yourself? How do you nurture yourself? How do you continue to be and grow as a person? Yeah. yeah. And the other one is from John C. Maxwell, yeah. Failing Forward. Oh, okay. That when we fail, yeah. it's actually moving you forward. You're sure. failing forward. So sure. it's important that we understand that. And, you know, we always think that sometimes we think that failure is that's it that's yeah. it it's done it's over yeah. i mean i feel like that too yeah. a lot of times i feel like man this didn't work out i didn't do this right why this why that but then it's like you have to like retune your mind and be like no the failure has a purpose mm -hmm. and i gotta move forward from mm -hmm. this yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. good ones good ones so will those are books i'm assuming yeah there's a book called failing forward okay mel robbins has uh book i think it's called the five second rule yes i've, I've been watching her on youtube and listening to watching her on instagram as okay. well yeah okay i have the book actually sure but it's not with me here in ghana <laughs> i left it in canada so we will have reference to those in the show notes folks so we've talked about all of your work and all those things so let's talk about ivy the one that's not working all the time <laughs> am i not working all the time <laughs> well it's kind of challenging because you work in a very social space so, you know, I found that I would always be like, when I had a job that was very social, I would say, oh, I'm going out, but that's work. So yeah. that would be what it was. Yeah. So, but aside from that, what are some of the things that you, I guess, what are some of your self-care indulgences? How do you, how do you be Ivy when you're not Ivy that's on the clock? Mm -hmm. I think for me, and this hardly ever happens, I love to get a massage. Oh, yeah. Because it just really relaxes me and gives me a chance to have my mind just rest. Uh -huh. Yeah, to do yeah. a full like one hour, one yeah. hour and a half yeah. and just rest. And getting self-care like manicure, pedicure, mm -hmm. th that kind of thing, I hardly ever do it. But now it's like I really got to push myself to go and do those kinds of things because yeah. Even though I'm not somebody who's really into like having all kinds of nail designs and mm -hmm, all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. it's just just the whole aspect of getting your hands done yeah. and getting your feet done, and right. they just sometimes they give you a nice massage on your foot when you're doing sure. it too, and just sure. that whole space. That's also something that I like to do, and I like to sit down with friends and just have great conversation, mm -hmm. catch up, have some wine. I love wine, mm -hmm. and just just chill and chat and catch up. So one of my top things is getting together with friends. Okay chill relax catch up with each other and have some wine and some snacks or something sure yeah just enjoy yeah company yes so i always like to ask this question as well are you a reader a watcher or a listener i would say i'm a watcher okay so what are some of your favorite watches some of my favorite watches mm -hmm. so i love stories that keep me wanting more and this is and uh, I think and I think yeah. this is why Netflix has been so successful with their series okay because people yeah. are able to binge binge watch mm -hmm. whatever it is mm -hmm. that they um, they like to watch um, believe it or not I actually like watching crime stories mm -hmm. even though it's depressing yeah. I like watching crime stories because I find it fascinating the way that investigators are able to look at clues to figure things out. Mm. So, and I've always liked watching them. Like, I could sit there and watch an entire day of different investigative kind of programming and just be like, wow, how do they think, how do they think of that? How do they think of that? And I think it comes from when I was a kid, my dad used to make us, he would always make us do educational games, yeah. educational stuff. And so, one of the things that I used to like was where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Oh, okay. Because you had to figure it out. Yeah. You had to like figure out the clues and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and he made us read the encyclopedia whenever we wanted to prove something. We had to go to Britannica <laughs> and figure things out. Good and for so, him. And so I have this curious mind. Yeah. And I think it also has a little bit to do with my journalistic mind sure. as well. Sure. Of wanting to figure things out. So I'm always... Yeah, I like watching those kind of shows. Okay. Um, I also really enjoy watching <laughs> when I want just no thinking. Yeah. Like there's like 
and I think that's why people like reality shows. Yeah. Because it has to do with uh, it's thoughtless content. Yeah. I can just sit there and I don't and if I if I miss ten minutes of it, exactly. it doesn't matter. Yeah. I can still know what happens. Yeah. Romantic comedies. Okay. I like watching romantic comedies. Okay. Those cheesy Hallmark movies. Okay. That you already know what's gonna happen. When you see the beginning, you're like, oh, this person's gonna be with that person. Oh, this <laughs> so is gonna true. happen. That's gonna happen. You know the whole movie from the first five minutes. Yeah. But I watch it anyway because it's mindless entertainment. I can just sit there and just watch it and I can go do whatever I'm doing and I still know what's happening. Yeah. At that's the end. <laughs> so funny you say that because it's holiday season is coming and they have a whole Hallmark has like holiday, 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 holiday holiday show and I only I, my mother loves them so when I go <laughs> for the holidays that's like on non-stop so yes it's true you I'm miss, one of those people yeah you miss how much and then it's like oh it's the same oh no but that was <laughs> and they use the same actors yes <laughs> yes they do use the same actors and you know a fun tidbit uh -huh. there's a lot of those that are filmed in Canada I know yes I have some friends who are in some of those and I you recognize the places you're like oh I recognize that yeah. oh I recognize that yeah yeah, yeah. so I like um yeah, I like romantic comedies. Yeah, it's okay. funny. It's and people don't people don't realize that about me. They're yeah. like, oh really? Yeah. Because it's like not serious. And now I'm also really getting into a lot of South African content. Okay, because they have quite a bit actually. Yeah. Like their production. Their production is, pretty, is high value. And there's it's high value, and there's a lot of different types of stories. Yeah. yeah. They have some high value content coming yeah. out of South Africa. Yeah. People talk a lot about Nollywood and Nigeria. Yeah. But South Africa has some really quality content. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of that is I've spent a bit of time going to conferences in South Africa. Is that their government funds a lot oh. of their creative? Yeah. There's grants available. There's tons of money available for grants, and yeah. particularly now they have a program for Indigenous creators so I think a little bit of the boom in the actual because I think forever there was kind of the white content that was always produced there but increasingly because of this grant making there are, are more black South Africans and South Africans of color that are producing more of the content there so that's good that's yeah. good to know that's yeah, good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good to yeah. know. So it's good to support them, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ivy, so this has been great. I thank you so much You're for welcome. your time and your energy. So tell us, do you have any last words for our listeners today? I would say that if you have a dream of something you want to do and you feel like your spirit is talking to you about it, that it's just going to get louder and louder. Your spirit is just going to keep telling you, you have to do it, you have to do it, you have to do it. And you have to find a way to do it. Because life is unpredictable. This year I've lost two really good friends. And it was just a, remi a stark reminder that it's important to pursue your dreams. Yeah. pursue and, and the pandemic was also a reminder that it's important to live your life and to forge good relationships. And just do whatever possible to make yourself happy to do the things that you're happy doing because you're going to spend most of your adult life working yes and if you're going to be spending most of your adult life working why not do it with something that you enjoy and that yeah. brings your spirit happiness right. and, and just and elevates you exactly yeah. so yeah. my advice is if you feel something is tugging at you to do go for, go it. for it don't yeah. wait yeah. go I, for it i love that that's awesome those are definitely great last words. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of the podcast. And I want to give you all a heads up. I am going to be moderating a panel, a full afternoon, on a Grand Health Bazaar, which is being presented by one of our guests, one of our former guests, BC Wright, who is the CEO and co-founder of the Live Well Initiative. They are hosting the Grand Health Bazaar, which is coming on the 23rd and 24th of November. It's a virtual event. So also check the show notes because you can participate. It's available to the globe. And it's really about solving health challenges. One of, Ivy just mentioning that we are in this space where we really need to start to focus on how we live our lives with passion, Health is one of those major places where we take for granted a lot of what it is that is in us and how to be the, the wellest that we can be. So check that out in the show notes. Um, check out my panels on the 23rd in the afternoon. That's going to be on West African time starting at 2 p.m. And again, thank you for joining us. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>